and uh, we're going to read just one verse for sake of time out of chapter number two. And I'm sitting back here just kind of uh, uh, going back and forth on a couple of things. I got one that I, I think is more of a camp meeting message, but uh, man, the Lord will not uh, just get me away from this. If you've heard this before, uh, that means you need to hear it again. No, I'm just kidding. I apologize uh, in advance for that. Go ahead and take your afternoon nap. That'll be fine. I think uh, I think the doctor's coming in a little bit later to preach to us. Uh, the professor, Brother Falour, and uh, so that'll be good. Wake up for that, all right? I mean, you can sleep through this. Ruth chapter number two, just one verse, and then you can be seated. The Bible says in verse 10, Ruth chapter two and verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We're thankful for the privilege we have just to be in this meeting. Lord, the good preaching we've already been uh, exposed to this morning. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just use this thought in somebody's heart and life. God, thank you, Lord, for the offering we were able to take up for the Borden family. God, I pray you just bless them and help them, God, and use them in a mighty way during these days. And, and uh, Lord, help us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Uh, Ruth is uh, an amazing character in the Old Testament. I think if we were putting together maybe a list of exemplary characters in the Old Testament, uh, Ruth may not crack the top ten. If we're just doing things off the top of our head, we think about Abraham and maybe Elijah, Elisha, Moses, guys like that. Uh, might would, uh, would be more on our list of maybe Old Testament characters that we would want to pattern our life after. But I believe a careful examination of the life of Ruth uh, should give her some consideration, uh, not just for ladies, not just for women, but for all of us. What an amazing character Ruth is in the Old Testament. We could talk about her commitment. It was absolutely second to none. In fact, when we think about commitment in the Bible, a lot of times we think about Ruth, right? She, the, the, she gave her life to Naomi, her mother-in-law. Wherever you go, I go. You where you lodge, I lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. What a great example of commitment she was. What a great example of courage Ruth is. Uh, somebody who uh, left everything that she was familiar with, left everything that she knew, left it all behind and uh, went to a strange new place and uh, made a new life for herself. Took a little bit of courage to leave all of that behind. Uh, her compassion, she takes it on herself to take care of her mother-in-law uh, whom she did not not have to take care of. She could have went back. That's what Orpah did. Orpah went back uh, to Moab and of course Naomi gave her 10 reasons and 10 million reasons really to go back and why she ought to go back. She could have followed Orpah and went on back. But yet she had a love in her heart for her mother-in-law. She had a love in her heart for Naomi and she had compassion. She took it on herself to fend for her and to take care of her and to make sure that she was taken care of. And we could talk a lot of things about, about Ruth, but I, I want to point out one quality that really stood out to me as I studied the character of Ruth, and it's here in our text today, and I want you to leave your Bible open. We just read one verse, but we're going to look at several verses here in our text, and that is the quality of humility, humility, and verse 10 really shows us the heart 
of Ruth when we see her on her face. Do you see that in verse 10? We just read that. She's on her face. She fell on her face. She's bowing herself to the ground. And she's just got one question for Boaz. She says, why me? Why in the world would you take special knowledge of me? Would you give special attention to me? Why would you do that? She could not think of anything in and of herself that would cause somebody like Boaz uh, to uh, even give a moment of attention to somebody like her. And I'm going to tell you what that is. That's humility right there. When you can't think of any good thing about you or why anybody would want to bless you, why anybody would want to pay attention to you, why anybody would want to have anything to do with you at all, uh, that's some humility. See, a lot of times we're on the other side of this thing. We think, well, you know, why wouldn't they want to have anything to do with me? You know, why wouldn't they? Of course, of course me. You know, it's got to be me. But that's not Ruth, my friend. She is a, why me? Why why would you have anything to do with me? And just for a few minutes, I'm going to real short and get out of the way. But I want to I want to talk about getting a handle on humility, getting a handle on humility. It's amazing about Ruth when you find her at the very beginning of this story. She's at the very bottom. She's a pagan. She's in a pagan land. And uh, she's, of course, uh, engulfed in tragedy all around her father-in-law, husband, brother-in-law, uh, dead, and, and, and coming into a new place in, in poverty, having absolutely nothing. She's at the very bottom. But when you get to the end of this story, she ain't on the bottom anymore. Uh, she's at the very top of this thing. She is married to the, a mighty wealthy man of power Elimelech. Uh, she's not gleaning in the field anymore. She is uh, married to the owner of the field. In fact, she's not a nobody from nowhere. Uh, she is in the lineage of King David. She's grandmother to David and beyond that to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. She's not a pagan in Moab anymore. She is a God-fearing member of uh, the Messianic line. And what an amazing thing isn't that what God can do? Aren't you glad God can take you off the bottom and he can put you on the top? Amen. That's exactly what God did for Ruth. Now, it ought not to be a surprise. It ought not to be, uh, I mean, just mind-boggling how God did that in her life. Man, the Bible tells us that the way to go up is to go down. The Bible's very clear in God's economy. Listen, if you want to go up, you got to go down. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll what? He'll exalt you in due time. That's the way God works. God doesn't operate like this world operates. This world operates, you got to, listen, if you don't promote yourself, ain't nobody going to promote yourself. If you don't lift yourself up, nobody else will. In this day of social media that we live in, it's definitely that way. Uh, we feel like if, if anybody's going to know how good I am, I got to tell them, you know. If anybody's going to know how awesome I am, what a great Christian I am, what a great church member I am, what a great mom I am, you know, and they take pictures. They don't show the pile of dirty laundry in the corner over there. They angle that thing just right. Just make everything look perfect and everything look right. And so you'll think they're awesome and you'll buy their plexus or whatever, you know. You know I'm telling the truth, amen. I 
and they just say, they don't want you to see all the, all the bad stuff. It's all the good stuff. And if I don't promote myself, if I don't put myself out there, man, it's a temptation in ministry, especially for young preachers. Because we see it everywhere. We see it all over the place, man. It seems like the guys that are out there promoting themselves and passing out business cards and, 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 and you know, posting their itineraries and all that. They're the guys, you know, doing well and doing all the meetings and all that kind of stuff. But can I tell you something? Listen, that is not the way that God operates. And listen, he's not a liar. He's not going to tell you one thing and do something else. He said, if you want to go up, you go down. If you will humble yourself. Listen, God resists the proud. He literally stiff arms everybody that has pride. But he will give you grace upon grace upon grace in your life if you are lowly, if you are humble. Man, that is a Bible principle in the word of God. And we see that played out in Ruth's life. Her story is one of grace after grace after grace. She should have been born in Moab, lived in Moab, died in Moab, went to hell from Moab. But we see God just giving this lady grace after grace after grace, after grace. And I'm going to tell you what, God will give you grace in direct proportion to you humbling yourself. You know that's right. Now, I don't know if anybody in here could ever say that we, uh, uh, you know, completely have a, a handle on humility. I don't think we, in fact, if you would stand up in here and say that this afternoon, I don't know how to tell this to you, man. I don't know how to. I don't know how to break it to you, but, uh, man, your problem is lying too, amen. You know, you got, you got all kind of problems, amen. But, man, none of us in here would stand up and say, man, I got a handle on it. And, I, and our, heart, our hearts are deceptive, aren't they? Especially with pride. You know, pride is one of the only sins that can sneak into the secret place with you. It can sneak in the prayer closet with you. There's more pride in praying than there might be anywhere else. I don't know. And them Pharisees, they like to stand on the street corner, didn't they? And they like to, they like to make him long prayers. And it was all pride. Jesus said, it's all a show. Man, they're not even praying. They think they're praying. That Pharisee went in. He prayed thus with himself, what the Bible says. He wasn't praying to God. He was just doing a little thing all by himself over in the middle of everything. There's an old man in the corner, a publican. He wouldn't even lift up his head, would he? He said, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Only one man went home justified that day, Jesus said. Man, it's, uh, man, that pride is so sneaky. I heard a story, his own testimony, Brother H.A. Ironside, pastor the great Moody Church in Chicago. Great church, mega church. And he was confided in a friend and a close friend. And he said, uh, he said man, I'm really struggling with pride. He said, I, pride just, uh, it's in my life. And, and of course, I, I mean, I, I could see where it would be that way. God gives you a big platform like that. That would definitely be a pitfall of that pulpit I'm sure his friend told him said what you need to do is you need to get you uh, some scripture signs you need to get you a sandwich board you know what I'm talking about something you carry you wear on you over your head it's got board in the front board in the back it's got scripture on it his friend said what you need to do man you need to put on that scripture board and, and you need to go out in downtown Chicago and you need to spend a couple hours on the street corner and you need to do some preaching how I mean, you know that's a humbling thing it is. Amen. And you know what Mr. Ironside said? Dr. Ironside said, I'm going to do it. And he went out there, 
And he went street preaching and he had that sandwich board on. He was out there several hours passing out some literature and preaching on the street corner. And uh, when the day was about done, when his time was about done, he went back to his office. And as he was taking off that sandwich board to put it in the corner there of his office, he thought to himself, ain't another preacher in Chicago just do what I just did, I'm sure. Amen. That's how pride is, ain't it? And you think you got it, you think you've beat it down, you think you've smothered it, you think you've just suffocated it all over, and hello, there it is. That's how it is in our life. I don't know, our hearts are so depraved, man, it's so sneaky. But if we could, maybe just for a minute, maybe just... Maybe look at a couple things in Ruth's life. Maybe some areas of examination. I'm going to put them in a form of a question. Maybe a question you could ask yourself. And then you just, maybe, maybe you could just do some self-examination. Now, by the way, this isn't for husbands to be, you know, measuring your, your wife's humility or, you know, the other way around. This is, a, this is a kind of you thing, you know what I'm saying. This is a, you and God. I saw a couple things in the text here that, uh, that made me ask some questions about my own humility. And let, me just, let me just give them to you like this and then I'll sit down. Number one, let me ask you this. Number, number one, how do you handle your rights? Your rights, first of all. You know, we live in a day when everybody's shouting about their rights. And everybody in the world, I'm talking about every group. Everybody seems to be in some kind of little oppressed minority group. And, and nobody's listening to what they say. And, and they're all, uh, uh, they're being marginalized by the powers of society. And so they got to take to the streets, right? And they got to make signs. And they got to go out in the, in the highways. And they got to march and let everybody know, you know, how marginalized they are and how everybody Everybody needs to hear their voice. And everybody's shouting about their rights, gay rights and women's rights and children's rights. And everybody's in some little group, Spanish-speaking Norwegians, you know, they got their own little group, you know. Just every, if, if you could find three people that have something in common, they're oppressed in some way and they want to shout about their rights. And we hear that every single day of our life. It's all about you owe me and I deserve and I've earned this and you got to give me that. And every single thing is about that. Now, nobody wants to talk about their response. Responsibilities. Nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to talk about their rights. You owe me, and I deserve. Man, my generation's about as bad as I mean any that's ever. I guess the one coming behind might be a little bit worse. And uh, but good gracious, man, you know you owe me health care, and you owe me education, and you owe me a cell phone, and man, you owe me a job, and you owe me everything. It's just I owe you owe me generation that we live in. Man, that's nothing more than a bunch of pride. Man, Mama and Grandma and Doctor Phil and Disney has pumped this this crowd all up, saying you're special and. You're wonderful, and man, they're out and about to be anything that's uh, withheld from you. Listen, I don't care what Grandma and Barney said. You're not that special. Amen. Amen. You, 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 I mean, listen. You're not even. You're not. You're, listen. You're not even that unique. Amen. I know that's what Disney's been telling you all these years, and your grandma, she likes your teeth, and she thinks you're pretty and everything. But listen, we're not all that, amen. We're dealing, right now, we're dealing with the problems of a generation that has been puffed up so much, and they've been told, you're wonderful. You don't deserve any bad things. We're going to talk about bad things. We're going to get a lot of bad things. Because this generation, man, if we got to go to war, God, help us. Man, we're going to send these little Instagram pansies out there. Is that what we're going to do? Lord, help us. Any of y'all nervous about that? Man, they have to have a little safe space, you know, to cry somewhere. 
Lord, help us. I was in the airport the other day. I just come back from Brother Andrews last year. I think it was in St. Louis Airport. They had a safe space in the airport. I don't. It's like a little booth. It looked like a kissing booth is what it was over there. Like a little plexiglass thing around it. I guess you could go over there and listen to Rush Limbaugh or something. I don't know what. I don't know what that was. I don't know what. It's a little safe space for something. I don't know what. I don't know what that was. But man, that's what. God help us, man. Everybody's talking about their rights, what you owe me, and, and nobody wants to talk about their responsibilities. Now, I saw this. This may not be anything to you. I'm going to show it to you, then I'll move on. But one thing that caught my attention about Ruth was this, is that... Now, listen, Brother Barnes got me all political. All right, I'm sorry. I wasn't even thinking about any of that stuff to Brother Barnes. Man, he, he studies his Bible watching Fox News. I can tell that, amen. How many of y'all like that? I like it, amen. I was getting with it pretty good, amen. I like Sean Hannity and Paul the Apostle. Amen. Just study them together right there. How do you, how do you think about your rights? I saw this about Ruth, and, and, and uh, let me just show it to you. Yeah, I'll let you decide if you think it's something or not. But I noticed this, that, that a couple times Ruth, she humbly asks permission for things that she already has the right to do. You see, look at verse number two. It says, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go. Now she asked permission to go to work. Now I'm going to tell you this. Now if Ruth don't go and get some, get some food, they ain't going to eat. Naomi's so depressed. She's so down. She's so discouraged. And maybe her health has probably suffered because of all that. Her physical uh, uh, condition is probably not the best in the world. Now, Ruth knows if somebody's going to go out, it's going to be me. I'm the able-bodied one. I got to go out. Listen, Naomi's not her mama. It's her mother-in-law. Her husband's dead at this point. She has willingly chosen to go with Naomi and take care of her. And yet, instead of just saying, hey, I'm an adult. Naomi, Ruth is not a teenager at this point. She's been married before. Her husband has passed away. She's probably late 20s, maybe early 30s. She's an adult. She could go and do whatever she wants to do. And yet, she has humbly submitted herself to the authority of Naomi, her mother-in-law and she goes to her and says hey is it okay with you if I go out and try to get some work done today if it is if it's okay with if is, is it okay with you if I go out and try to get some food and bring back some things for the family and of course Naomi says go my daughter what is that that's that is just Ruth simply recognizing that God has put some authority in her life she was not emphasizing her rights what she had the right to do but yet she humbly laid them down and she submitted herself to Naomi, somebody that she didn't have to submit to. I say, what is that? That's just called humility is what it is. She does it again when she gets to the field. Uh, uh, when she gets to the field there of Boaz, of course, Boaz isn't there. He's in town, but he comes back. Ruth catches his eye, and he, and he, and he sees her, and he asks the servant, says, Who's that damsel? Whose damsel is this? Who is that out there in the field? And they begin to tell her the story, tell Boaz the story of how Ruth came to the field. And here's how they describe it in verse number 7. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now she went to the reaper she went to the servants of the field and asked permission to go glean in that field you say what what's up with that well i'll tell you did you know the law of god gave 
permission, gave a right. She had a God-given legal right in Israel to go and glean in whatever field she wanted to glean in. It gave permission to the widows. It gave permission to the fatherless. It gave permission to uh, the, those that were poor. And it gave permission to the, uh, uh, to the foreigners. Well, Ruth checked off every single box. She was a widow. She had no father in her life. There in Bethlehem, she was poor. And she was a foreigner. She was from Moab. She had every single right to march into that field and start picking up whatever was left. And yet she humbly went to the servants of the field. And she said, is it okay with you if I serve in this, if I work in this field, if I glean in this field today. I believe that's why they brought it up to Boaz. Not everybody came to them and asked permission. Why? Because they had the right to. They just did whatever they wanted to do. But yet here she comes humbly asking permission to do things that she already had the right to do. Here's what I'm saying is this. Let me tell you what humble people do. Truly humble people, they don't go around demanding what's owed them all the time. In fact, you'll hardly hear them emphasize their rights at all. They're too busy dealing with responsibilities in their life. Did you know that phrase, submit yourselves? It's in your King James Bible seven times. Submit yourselves. Did you know only one time in your Bible is the phrase, submit yourself? Only one time will you find it talking about submitting yourself to God. Every other time in your Bible you see that phrase, submit yourself, it's always talking about submit yourself one to another. Amen. In the home, at church, uh, in, in, our, in our job life, all that, in our career, in our work, all that, it's submitting. You know what that is? That's humility is what that is. Amen. And I tell you, that mindset of you owe me, I deserve, this is, I need my recognition, I need, I need my, I'm going to get what I, I, what I have to, this is all about me. That mindset, it's in our churches. And our churches are so consumed with selfishness and everybody comes in thinking about their own needs and their own things. Yes. Paul said in Philippians 2, he said, let not every man think on his own things but on the things of others. Yes. And then he goes on to tell us about the greatest example of someone who has laid down rights for the good and the blessing of other people. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul told us in Philippians 2, he said, let this mind, this mind of humility, this mind of, of laying down rights, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he what? Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If you want to see somebody who willingly laid down their rights, he could have called legions of angels to come and wipe out humanity, remove him from the cross in the agony of Calvary. But what did he do? He laid down his rights so he could be a blessing to us. Go and do thou likewise. Amen. How do we know if we're truly humble? Well, how do you handle your rights? Number two, not only how do you handle your rights, but secondly, how do you handle restrictions? Yeah, let me tell you, I'll tell you how you know if you really got some humility in your life. How do you respond when somebody tells you no? How many of y'all love that word, no? My kids think that's the only word I know is no. 
When somebody denies you, when somebody puts some rules in your life. In fact, really, that's how you know if you got the heart of a servant or not. How do you respond when somebody treats you like a servant? When somebody puts some boundaries, when, when God puts some thou shalt nots in your life, how do you respond to that? Uh, here's a, this is amazing to me. It's just something I noticed here. Boaz, of course, he's in town when, he's in Bethlehem when Ruth got into the field. She's already working in the field. Boaz comes back from Bethlehem. That's in verse number four. He's talking to his servants. And verse number five, Boaz says to his servants that were set over the, set over the reapers, whose damsels? Somehow another, Ruth caught his eye, caught his attention. Now, Ruth was, couldn't be the first damsel to be out there in the field, uh, in his field, you know, gleaning or whatever. I'm sure it, it must have been a common occurrence, but for some reason, Ruth caught his attention. He saw her, and he said, man, Shazam, man, I like that right there. Man, somebody look up her Facebook profile. Whose damsel is this? What's her relationship status? Who is this? Man. And so Boaz obviously is intrigued by Ruth. He's interested in Ruth, right? And so he goes up to Ruth. He confronts her. He approaches Ruth in verse number 8. He confronts her. He approaches Ruth. Now, man, it's been a long time since I've been in the, the, uh, the wooing uh, thing, you know. It was before social media and all that. That's how old I am. Man, I'm old, man. And uh, so I don't know how everybody's doing it these days. This is thousands of years ago. But I don't know, guys, I don't know if you're looking for a, a, a you know, a girl. I asked my, I asked my boy sitting there, I said, Is there, you see any pretty girls around here? Are there any pretty girls here? He said, no. So I'm just letting you know. <laughs> he said, no. So that's, he's not interested. But, uh. I don't know, I don't know how, how exactly it's supposed to be done. You know, uh, I read the book of Numbers, but I couldn't find yours or something. I don't know how you want to. I don't know. You, use that at your own discretion, all right? You know, that's just, I'm just trying to help you out. Listen to me now. I'm going to help you now. <clears throat> but I would say this, that Boaz, the way that he confronted Ruth, the way he approached Ruth, I don't know if I do it like this. The Bible says, verse number 8, Boaz said unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field. I mean, verse 8, Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art a thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Did you just see what Boaz said to Ruth? He walks up to her and he doesn't say, Hey, how are you doing? Man, it's lovely weather we're having. What's your name? Where are you from? He goes up to her and he's starts telling her what to do and what not to do. He walks up to Ruth and he starts giving her a bunch of commands. He tells her, listen, he tells her where to go and where not to go, who to hang around and who not to hang around, where she's supposed to keep her eyes and where even she's supposed to go when she got thirsty. Boaz goes up to her and put restrictions and limitations on her movements, her crowd, her plans, and even where she even got a drink of water. Now listen, I don't recommend you going up to some girl 
guys and start telling her what she can drink with her lunch. Because I'm going to tell you, if this is 2022 or what, wherever we're at, yeah, it wouldn't be, <laughs> I don't think it'd be quite like this right here. Can you imagine somebody going, you know, going up to her and, and, and talking to her? And old Ruth, you know, if this was these days, one of these modern women, if Ruth was one of these modern women, you know what would happen, man. Hands would go on hips immediately. <laughs> Just like this. And he's like, I don't know who you think you are, Mr. Boy. You may own this field, but you don't own me. And she starts snapping that thing. I don't need no man to tell me. <laughs> Listen, guys, if she starts snapping her fingers like that, run away, run far away. I don't know that from experience. I'm just talking to people, all right? I promise I don't know that from experience. My wife's very humble, all right? But I've seen some things. <laughs> I was talking to Chris Hewitt the other day. He was telling me about it. <laughs> I'm not looking at Miss Chloe right now. She's burning a hole in the side of my head. I Man, if she starts doing that, run away. But the, you see that? You see, that's not her response. What's her? Look at verse 10. We read that. That was our verse. What was her response? She fell on her face. She bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found favor in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me? You see, her, her reaction, it was not one of defiance. It was not one of rebellion. Her reaction was one of submission and humility and thankfulness and even a semblance of worship. Why did Ruth respond like that? I'll tell you why she responded like that. Because when she heard Boaz giving her all those rules, when she heard Boaz giving her all those restrictions, she did not interpret them as oppressive. She didn't say, oh, he hates me. He's trying to ruin my life. Man, he don't want to have anything. She heard it the opposite. When Ruth heard Boaz give all those commands she said man he loves me he wants something to do with me he's trying to keep me all for himself he don't want nobody to hurt me he don't want nobody to get me he loves me and she heard it as rules and commands of love and can I tell you something about the love of God John said by this we know that we are the children of God when we love him and and keep his commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not what grievous they're not they're not a burden to be born man every thou shalt not every no every don't go over here every don't do that it is a command of love God says I love you I'm trying to keep you for me I want you all to myself I don't want this world to use you and abuse you and mess you you up. I'm trying to keep you all to myself. And humility hears the restrictions of God, not as oppressive, but as affection and love that he has for every one of us. Amen. She humbly said, thank you for those rules, Mr. Boaz. 
She said, man, every time he gave me a don't do this and a thou shalt not, he said, she said, man, it sounded like love to me. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Same way we deal with our children. I got rules for my children. It's not because I hate them. It's because I love them. I don't want them to get hurt. We got a rule at our house. Don't play in the traffic, you know. It's horrible, ain't it? I'm horrible parents. I know, I know sometimes my kids think we just had them just so we could make their life miserable and ruin their life. They really think that before they were born, you know, their mother and I, we got together and we just said, you know what, let's have a child and just like make their life miserable with a bunch of rules because we hate them so bad. In fact, we just had a meeting like that recently. We're going to do it again. Amen. We're gonna... let's, do it. let's just make their life real miserable. No, no, that's not the way it went. Amen. We give them rules because we love them. Amen. Don't do this. Don't go here. No, you can't. No, you can't watch that. No, you can't have it. No, you ain't. You ain't taking that in your bed. No. You know why? Because I love you. I love you. He loves us. You know what humility does? Humility hears those commands. That's love. I got to hurry. Number one, getting a handle on humility. Number one, how do you handle your rights? Number two, how do you handle restrictions? And I'm going to hit this real quick and move on because this is pretty self-explanatory. But how do you handle... How do you handle receiving? How do you handle rewards? Maybe we'll call it that, rewards or receiving. You know, Ruth saw Boaz's attention toward her as as a blessing, as something special. She's been singled out. She's received a blessing. She's received, she gets special privileges. Ruth is getting special privileges that nobody else gets. What's her response? Does she go around and brag to all the other servants? Did she go around? Did she go around? And say, yeah, you know, oh, you know, Boaz, the guy that owns this place. Yeah, he uh, he wants to go on a date with me this afternoon. He said he's going to reach me some parched corn. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but that's not what she does. What does she do? Our verse. What does she do? She goes down. And she asked the question, she says, why have I found grace? Why would, you, why would you show me this affection? Why would you shower me with this attention? Why would you give me this kind of special recognition? She couldn't think about one good thing. about. She couldn't think about one redeeming quality about herself that would make Boaz want to treat her like that. And let me just say this and move on. Uh, let me, here, here's, here's one way we can measure our humility in our life. When blessings come, how do we respond? Because many times when the, when, when the bad times come, when bad things come, when bad seasons come, when, 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 when hard times, when the storm hits, that's when we say, why me, God? Yes. And we only say, why me, when the bad things come. Why me? But then when the good things come and God blesses you, it's not why me, it's, well, you know, why not me? Tell it, brother. Well, of course, man. You know, I've been faithful, and I've been good, and I've been, you know, I've been working hard, and I've been doing all this stuff. Why not me? Why wouldn't God bless me? And then the bad times come again. We say, "Why me, God? What have I done?" You know what humility does? Humility reverses those. That's right. And when the bad times come, we say, "Huh? Of course, me." Man, I'm an awful sinner. Man, I don't deserve to be in hell. That's what I deserve. Man, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything at all. There ain't nothing. There ain't nothing good about me. And then when the blessings come, humility says, why me, God? Why would you bless me like this? Why would you be so good to me? Let me give you this last one and I'm done. How do you handle your rights? How do you handle your restrictions? How do you handle receiving things from God? 
And then let me ask you this. How do you handle rebukes? Correction. When somebody has to correct you, can, can you be told that you're wrong? You know what humility does? Humility will receive a correction. The Bible talks about a fool. That's somebody that's un correctable if that's a word that's somebody that will not they, they don't know everything but they think they know everything it's like a teenager somebody say man around there teenagers have two phrases they like to say over and over it's i know i know i know and then the other one is i don't know what are you gonna do with your life i don't know what'd you learn at school like i don't know and you try to tell them so i know i know <laughs> they only know two phrases i don't know and i know Make up your mind. You're unstable in all your ways. Amen. But let me, let me just, I'm going to show you this from the Bible and, I, and then I'm done. I'm going to sit down. Look, here, look at verse, this is something interesting to me. And it may not be anything to you, but I think it's something. Look at verse number eight. Then said Boaz Ruth, here's, some, here's all these rules he's given, right? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence. But look what he said. He said, abide here fast by my maidens. You see that at the end of verse number eight? A mate. What are what are maidens? That's the girls. That's the that's the female servants, the young ladies in the field. Stay close to the young ladies. In verse number nine, he talks about the young men. So there are two categories of workers in the field. You got the maidens, that's the young ladies, and then you got the young men. Those are the young men. You know, kind of the only two genders there are. Somebody said, you know, young men and young women. I mean, I'm not a biologist or anything, but, you know. We got young men and we got young ladies. Actually, I did minor in biology at Faith Baptist Institute, Resaca, Georgia. I, had a, I do have a minor in biology from there, but no, I'm kidding. There's men and there's women. All right. Stay close to the young women. Why? Well, because those young men might be a threat to her, right? He said, I've commanded them that they are not to touch you. I mean, these are the days of the judges. Everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes. If these, I mean, these young men, if they catch her somewhere by herself, they might, you know, violate her, abuse her, offend her in some way. And Boaz obviously did not want that happening. Stay with this crowd. Oh, man, there's such a good message in that. But, but I, got, I got to move on. Stay with this crowd because I don't want you to get hurt. Young ladies, you need to hang out with these young ladies. Don't be running around with these guys. Anyway, there's a message there. But now when Ruth gets home, look at the end of verse, uh, chapter number 2, our chapter. Look at verse number 21. When she gets home, she gives the story to Naomi, how she went to the field of Boaz. And Naomi's like, wow, Boaz, that's a kinsman redeemer. There's hope. Man, things are starting to look up. She's excited. Naomi said, tell me about it. Tell me everything. What did he say? What did he tell you? Tell me all about it. Verse number 21. And Ruth the Moabitess said, he said unto me, this is what Boaz said to Ruth, according to Ruth. Thou shalt keep fast by my what? Young men. Now hold on a second. That's not what Boaz said. Boaz didn't tell Ruth to stay close to the young men. Boaz told Ruth to stay close to the who? The young women, the maidens. Now, what does Naomi do in verse number 22? Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his what? Maidens. You know what Naomi just did right there? Naomi just corrected Ruth. Now, I don't think Ruth meant it in any way. I think he was innocent. I, don't, I think it was just an oversight. She didn't think about all the, probably wasn't thinking about all the consequences and all the ramifications of mixing these commands up. But Naomi knew. That's right. 
And Naomi corrected her. And look what it says in verse number 23. So she kept fast by the what? All right, you see what just happened? Ruth was wrong on something, though maybe sincere, maybe innocent, but she was still wrong. She was corrected, and you know what she did? She made the correction in her life. You know what that's called? That's called humility. You say, well, that ain't that big a deal. Oh, contrary, mon frere, that is a huge deal. Look in chapter number three. Ruth goes to the threshing floor. Now, Ruth's proposing to Boaz. It ain't the other way around. Ruth is proposing to Boaz. Spread your skirt over me. That's do the part of the kinsman redeemer. And here's Boaz's response to Ruth. It's in verse number 10 of chapter 3. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not, what? Young men. Whether poor, You know what Boaz just told Ruth? Boaz said, I've been watching you. I've been watching who you've been hanging around. I've been watching who you've been following. And he said, I've noticed something about you, Ruth. You're not a, you're not a boy chaser. You're not boy crazy. You're not running around. And even, and, you, and even more than that, you're following the command that I gave you, the restrictions that I put in your life. You know, from a human point of view, her entire future could have been affected if she hadn't made that one correction in her life. Her safety... Her life and even her future, her dreams, her her wildest dreams would have never come true. From a human point of view, you understand? If she would never have been teachable or correctable. I want to tell you something. If nobody can tell you, I don't care how long you've been saved. Listen, you could have got saved in another dispensation. You've been saved a, a thousand whatever year. How long we've been in this dispensation? A long time. You could have been saved a long time. I said, you, you, you've not arrived. You've not attained. Paul said, Philippians 3, I've not, not I've apprehended. I don't count myself to have apprehended. We haven't arrived. Man, we're all in need of correction. But pride swells up and it says, you, you can't tell me anything. But humility says, you know what? I need to make that correction in my life. I'll tell you, young people, listen, everybody needs this, but young people, listen, listen, listen to me. Be correctable. Be teachable. Because it might just have a huge impact on your future and your protection and your safety. Man, how's, how's our humility? I, you know, I, I, nobody in here, like I said, would be able to stand and say that I got it all figured out or I know it all but man it's something we need to think about it you know God's blessing in our lives his, 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 his ability to use us and his, his I say ability and I know God can do anything but you understand what I'm saying his, his uh, willingness to use us and, and to bless us it is directly proportionate to our humility and you can't get around that listen humility will open up the windows of blessing in your home in your life at your job be humble be teachable Somebody said that uh, it's our job to do the humbling. It's God's job to do the promoting. And if you try to do God's job, he will do your job. And it is much, that's why the Bible tells us many times throughout the scriptures, humble yourselves. Do it yourself. Because listen, you don't want God to have to humble you. When God humbles a man, it's, it's, it's epic. 
it's, it's devastating. But if you'll humble yourself and stay like Ruth on your face before God, worship, submission, obedience, humility, ain't no telling what God will do in your life. Amen. Let's stand together for prayer. Father, we love you. I pray that you take this thought, God, use it in our hearts and lives. Lord, we all have that monster of pride, Lord, that lives in our bosom and our flesh. Help us, God, to mortify this flesh, crucify this flesh. Lord, help us, God, to humble ourselves in your sight so that you might give us grace and more grace and more grace. We need your grace, God. We want your grace. I want your grace in my life. I want your grace in my home. I want your grace in my church. God, please. God, may we humble ourselves before you. Amen. God, help us. You mind the Lord.